Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and this is the show that goes over the biggest talking points from the weekend in football, analysing and discussing the most important stories from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. As always, I'm joined by some of Edward Napier's finest and with the new university semester officially underway, we've lost a couple of last last year's regulars. Sean McGill and Cameron Wanstall are much more unavailable than they once were. They've been claimed by Alex Kosic's a radio news class, but that just opens up the door for more third-year representation, which is even better. Uh, so first up, we have got the man of many clubs once again, Struan Garvey. Good to have you, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, to be honest. Back to uni, back to some somewhat normality throughout the week. So, yeah, can't complain. A wee bit of a schedule back in our lives, we would say. Yeah, it's it's no longer Blur's Day. I, actually felt, I had an alarm this morning, so it actually felt like a Monday. And it's it's good and bad, I suppose, by that. That is the worst part of coming out of a, a holiday period is actually having to adhere to that first alarm of the working week. It's I set mine up for last night. I was setting them up for this week coming. It just made me a bit sad. I think it will. Ah, we'll get used to it eventually. Uh, we have also got the return of the deadliest left foot at Napier, Mr Jamie McIntosh. How are you, my friend? Good afternoon. Yeah, very good. Uh, nice first chilled magazine production class. <laughs> very no chilled. dramas whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, perfect start to the semester. Uh, start as you need to go on, I suppose. Uh, finally, we have also got an appearance from Energy's resident quiz master, Mr. Graham Sinclair. How's things with you, mate? I was doing really good until you mentioned you said Energy Energy's a deadliest left foot, and I was about to say hijack. And then you mentioned Jamie's name. I've not seen you play though. I've never seen you kick a ball, so I, I've not got the point of reference. I've not got much else, but I've got a deadly left foot. <laughs> well, we'll need What's to finally get that five game organised between us I, and the debrief boys. Yeah, that's not. Can... That's not fair. I just need like. Give me like three kick scenarios where I don't have to move. I'm okay. I'm George Alberts. <laughs> What's sad is Jack has seen me play and didn't didn't comment on my left foot. So <laughs> I think that, that sums up my football ability. Are we all left footed in here apart from Jack? I'm right. I'm right footed. Yeah. <laughs> How did you? Yeah, like that? I, I don't think I ever told you I was right footed. Well, I guess assume I assume you're right footed unless stated. Fair. No, I'll give you that. Yeah, kind of majority is. Dominated Am I the only left hander on an energy like red split energy sport? Possibly. Ah, well. I, think that's, I think that's even more rare than a left foot. Football, I think. I play sport with my left hand and I write with my right hand, so if you get if you get me going I'm sawing away with the left and crossword with the right. But Jack here It depends on the sport when I play you could play tennis a little bit, I'd play with the left hand, but then when I a golf with the like it's a right hand there. No, I'm entirely I'm lopsided, mate. Like my left my left hand is my left hand side is completely useless. I'm ambidextrally shite at everything though. I, mean, I, that, I, the word right. analogy. See, I, I told like a guitar and like golf and tennis swing right sided, which is weird, right? But like I'm left-handed and foot. Just weird and wonderful ways that make us all uh, energy sports so endearing to the general public. Uh, as always, we start our show off with the big question, and this week it was a bit of a car crash for for stuff. There wasn't a lot of kind of massive news, massive uh, occurrences that brought about a big question. That was until Celtic and Rangers and a number of other clubs around the globe decided to announce a new partnership, a new strategic partnership, some might say, with Fortnite. I'll just let that sink in for a second. Uh, numerous clubs around the globe, both old fun clubs, they had the likes of Wolves, I think a few Italian clubs were in there, had uh, cosmetic skins of their strips implemented into the 
massively popular game Fortnite and the Games Gone tweets were out in force after the announcement was made. We've seen a few collaborations between uh, footballers and video games in the past. I think Everton forward, Sink Tosun had his most influential performance for the club as a playable character in an Angry Birds game. So what my question to you lot is, what other collaboration between football and video games would you most like to see? And I, and I know that I know this was a fairly difficult one to come up for because J- Jamie's not a massive, massive video games guy and Graham didn't look at the question until about 20 minutes ago. So I'll, I'll go to Struan first to see what he had as, as his answer to this one. So I, I thought maybe a wee, a wee Mario Kart gets to get some footballers as playable characters. I think that would be a wee, a wee fun crossover to, to play with. It, would, you, would you like to expand on that at all? Yeah, just, you know, you can pick your favourite football team to be the cars, you know. I, I, to be brutally honest, I, that was that was as far as I really thought about with with them um, with the question and stuff like that. The, the items could be footballs that you could throw or, or, or managers or something like that. Could each car representing each team be a different vehicle? Like whichever team oh, Mourinho was managing like that, would be yeah, a bus. Like oh, oh, I do like that indeed. Yeah, you're giving this more thought than I have. Clearly, but, um, <laughs> What's I, I question, FIFA, FIFA could be a good game if if they tried actually. But if if anybody wants a a, a different fact, then um, Fortnite have the rights to use the Juventus logo, but FIFA, the video game, does not. Seems a bit very daft, silly to be to be honest with you. Uh, Graham, where where are, where are your thoughts lying with this one? Oh, what a purple! The one that I've always wanted in life, especially in FIFA, is that they've had Rangers and Celtic in the game. But they've never had full exclusive rights to have Ibrox and Celtic Park in the game. And it's honestly infuriating, man, because those two stadiums belong in FIFA. When we have stadiums like the Riverside and Fratton Park, get them out and get Rangers and Celtic Rangers, yeah, Ibrox and Celtic Park in there. The other one I had was, I think, the game Overwatch, first-person shooter they had, like, an event. I think it needs to be multi, kind of multiplayer games for the most part, because it's normally skins, but they have, like, characters based on like, the World Cup, or not the book, they have, like, skins based on the World Cup, and they've got a character who's Brazilian called Lucio, and you could create a new character, say Neymar, that has, like, specific skills, like, he's, he rolls about the floor, like, evading people really easily, but he's, like, a, he's, a, he's got a sniper because he's absolutely lethal in front of the gold, so you could, you could definitely, you could work around that and get some proper good over Overwatch characters out of football players. I like that. I like that. That's quite quite creative. I like you. You've you've put a wee bit of thought into that. I I respect it. Jamie, where where are you (laughs) lying with this one? Well, I mean, I don't even know where to start. I know so many um so many different games. I like Struan's idea of the Mario Kart. I think that could work. And uh, to be honest with you, I I can't really think of anything else. So I'm just going to need to copy what's already been said and say yes. That that was my one. I had that. Proper Trump vibes. I know so many different games. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know all the games. I I make all the games. I make all the games. I'm good at all. Completed. <clears throat> Completed them all. <laughs> all right, Jay. Uh, I think I, I I tried to kind of think. I went in the Mario Kart route, but I kind of went more specific. I went uh, Jack Grealish as a playable Mario Kart character, but I realised that probably wouldn't work out as well as it would have done prior to him getting his license suspended. Ah. Uh, could have went a bit basic, just Eric Cantona being put in as a playable character in something like Street Fighter after his Kung Fu kick was a part of Premier League history, to be honest. That, that's a very infamous moment, just him launching himself into the crowd and, karate, and Kung Fu kicking a fan. So I think, why not translate that into fighting ninjas and stuff like that? I think that would work well. 
I think this year's version of Odds and Red Bar would be a good main character in Assassin's Creed because he has a good ability to disappear in plain sight. <laughs> oh, very nice. Had to get that in. You did, you did. No, I, I, res- I respect that. I do, I do respect that. Oh, Aye. Wait. Oh. Here you go, uh, I think that Frank Lampard should be put on the game Job Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he be on there? Because Frank Lampard's been <laughs> sacked, lads. Wow! <laughs> Mental segue. How have we done that? Uh, yeah, no. As usual, uh, we were gonna we were gonna start with our coverage of Scottish football, but then kind of woke up this morning, all just kind of getting prepared for the day ahead. Then uh, Matt Law tweets out that uh, Frank Lampard is being sacked. And then Chelsea confirmed it about lunchtime that Lampard has been sacked as manager of Chelsea Football Club after 18 months in charge. So that's going to switch up our order today. We're going to get to Scottish football in a little bit, but because it's the most breaking football story of the day and it kind of holds relevance, especially on this panel, we're going to talk about this first. So Frank Lampard, just over a 50% win percentage, the lowest points per game of a Chelsea manager in the Mourinho, in the Mourinho, the Abramovich era. What do we reckon? The right, the right call, or should should he have been given a bit more time? Uh, I think it was the right call to sack him. Fact, the fact. Listen, no, I don't think it was the right call to sack him. I think it was the wrong call. Also, mainly to appoint him in the first place, and I think that's where the error all leads back to. Frank yeah, Lampard is a Chelsea, Frank yeah. Lampard's a Chelsea legend that didn't have the managerial experience to manage a club like Chelsea's level and should never have been given that job. I completely yeah. agree with that. To be honest, just came calling far too soon. And I think I, I take. Have we all read the Athletic article that Ornstein did with a few, uh, few extra I, contributors? Because I have skimmed it. through it. Yeah. Into yeah, the picture, yeah. so there were talks of Lampard allegedly having a fairly lucrative offer from another decent club, but he was never going to turn down Chelsea, and I think it just kind of seemed as a way to appease to the fans in lieu of a transfer ban at the time. So the, the, it was a board's quick way of keeping fans on side by appointing someone like Lampard. I, should, I, I don't, I honestly don't know how to feel about it. If I'm being completely honest, I think any other club. And he would have been given more time. I mean, you've seen managers or his kind of contemporaries like Mikel Arteta and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer kind of go through the same the same experiences of having rough patches strewn. You'll know more than most on this panel. I mean, being a Man United fan and having backed Solskjaer uh, throughout a lot of his a lot of his nonsense, like you kind of know that you do kind of have to endure the rough spells to be able to get the best. And we've seen a a very very decent Man United team at the moment with Solskjaer at the helm. So. Was, should Chelsea have stuck with them, or is it just kind of a case of they are typically ruthless management strategy? I, th- I think Graham's point is spot on that he probably never should have been appointed in the first place. But I'll, I'll just go past it. and because he is there, I think he should have been given more time. To to be perfectly honest, I know I know that's not how Chelsea operate. I know it's you know you come in, you get a lot of money, you win a few trophies, and then after three after three or four years, that's you gone. You just, you just never sort of knew how that was going to happen with Lampard. Obviously, he's a legend and stuff like that. But if you're going to spend over £200 million in a transfer window, which you can basically control due to other clubs not having that sort of money, I think you've got to at least give him the season, give him the chance to integrate these new players, you know, build on a system. But 
I can't understand the results going wrong. And it almost would have been hypocritical of Chelsea to actually hold on to Lampard because if it was any other manager in that position, right? if it was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who was at Chelsea and had spent that money and was in the current form there was, I don't think there would be any sort of hesitation. And I don't think there'd be any sort of fallout either. But I've seen a lot of pundits and people coming out today saying that Lampard should have been given more time. I think Harry Redknapp has said it's due to the signings. But I, th- I think that's always been the common theme of Lampard is that he's never really had that much criticism from the media. And now all of a sudden he's being sacked. And I think a lot of people are just sort of just sort of realising now that it probably was a very poor appointment in the first place. Uh, Jamie, Stuart raised the point of signings there and uh, something that that article did kind of reveal and something that's been kind of whispering for a little bit of time now is that apparently out of the kind of six headline signings that Chelsea made, only one was a Frank Lampard signing, and that was Ben Chilwell. And out, out of the kind of biggest profile, he's probably been one of the best uh, performers in Chelsea's team alongside Thiago Silva, who was board-appointed. I think Lampard had been quoted wanting to go for Declan Rice as a centre-back alternative, and James Tarkovsky, I think, had seen at one point. So, like, how much... How, and obviously, a lot of these players have been criticised heavily in terms of their form this season, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, more than anyone else. So, I mean, can we attribute Lampard at being at fault for these players' struggles or is it a part of the board signing them without kind of the manager's seal of approval almost? I mean, should should kind of blame lie with both camps for these underperformers this season? Ah, it probably should. I mean, look, Chelsea are a massive club and, and ultimately they have lots of different kind of staff that focus on different areas in the in the team, you know, you've got goalkeeping coaches, defensive coaches, you know, you've you've got finishing coaches. So Lampard's not taking, you know, all the training, if that makes sense. You know, it's down to, um, there's plenty of other coaches at, at big clubs like Chelsea to to work on specific areas of the club. And uh, yeah, you know, you're right about Chilwell. Chilwell Chilwell's been very impressive um, for me. Okay, he's been part of a, a defence that hasn't been great, but he's still been a real asset going forward. Havertz and, and Werner have obviously just really struggled. And I mean, Werner stepping up to take that penalty yesterday, you just knew he was going to miss. <laughs> well, it was safe, I suppose, but you, you just knew it wasn't going to end up in the back of the net. And, uh, it, you know, it basically sums up his, his time at Chelsea so far. Personally, I'm, I'm absolutely devastated for, for Lampard um, solely because he is, a, he is a kind of Chelsea legend. And I hope that doesn't change that that um, that fact because, you know, he's, he's definitely my favourite ever Chelsea player. And I hope this doesn't change that. But, uh, you know, when obviously he was appointed, you had the transfer embargo. Now, obviously, he's been able to make his own signings, supposedly, anyway, as you say. But I sort of question, like, what the objective was then. So, like, did they really think Chelsea were going to win the league or something this season? Like, with, with Lampard, you know, was, now that we got these players in, was were we really expected to go on and win the league? Because, you know, as you wrote in your article, like, what, I don't know, six weeks ago or something, two months ago, we were, like, top of the league. So, you know, now, obviously, we've had a bit of a fall from grace, obviously, but... Is that not something to show you that like, there is a there is a team in there and there is, you know, good players in there who just lost our confidence and like look at Liverpool, you know, like teams go through bad runs of form. City were slow to start the season. I don't know. I just uh, yeah, I do, I do think it's a harsh sacking because of like who he is. That like the fact that we appointed him. Surely it must have been a long term appointment. You know, you can't have you can't have brought someone in like Lampard who has very little experience and expect him to hit the ground running. Like I thought, the whole project was going to be like long term. Obviously, we got quite a few youngsters that were trying to progress as well under Lampard, and I just thought the whole project was was a bit more long term. So I'm a little bit puzzled, to be honest, um, at the whole kind of structure of the club right now. To be honest, but as you say, it's not exactly uh, 
unknown at Stamford Bridge to have uh, a little bit of uh, harsh um, harsh judgment on a manager. I think I'd seen a stat that said whoever comes in next will be the 14th managerial appointment by Roman Abramovich in eight years, I think it was. God. So, bit ridiculous <laughs> how, many, how many times it is, that it is has pathetic, changed hands. Isn't it? it is pathetic. And I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Chelsea were Chelsea were flying top of the league for a for a period of time. I think it was less than a day considering other results kind of elevated other teams above them. But that win against Leicester, Le- Leicester, sorry, uh, Leeds at the start of December was the 16th or 17th game in an unbeaten run that Chelsea had sustained across all competitions. But now after that, after this point, the heads have seemed to drop, confidence has gone. And I think in the statement that Chelsea made. He said that recent results and performances has not met the club's expectations, leaving the club mid-table without any clear path to sustained improvement. So I think it was the board having zero confidence in Lampard to actually wrestle them out of this slump that they were in. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not so sure that was the case because we saw a kind of downturn in form this time last year. I, I, I was I made the point on Twitter about it myself. I'd written an article, I got a, a notification this time last year, I'd written an article about Lampard's honeymoon period being over, and that results were co- becoming hard to come by and it's almost the exact same situation this year, the difference being the league is a lot more competitive this season and I think teams are just better in general, we've seen really good seasons from the likes of Everton and Southampton, Aston Villa, Leicester are doing really well, even amongst the teams like Man United City and Liverpool, so I think he's almost a victim of the league improving while he's not adapted to having these new signings in and not being able to bleed them in properly, but also just his tactical news has been stark in comparison to a lot of other managers, to be honest. Graham, what, what what's your opinion on Lampard? Just the situation in general, like, I know I've already asked you that at the start, but where do you think Lampard went wrong most in his time at the club, or is it more an issue with the board rather than the manager? Uh, I think there seem to be issues throughout the club. I th- I feel like I saw quite a lot of rumours all the time about Lampard having a fractured relationship with some of the players as well as the board, which I think, oh, no, they're not always true, but sometimes there tends to be truth in that and if you don't have the backing of the players and that's basically the first step to, to failure other than that it's kind of like once you put the sirens on him even the, the, that, that pressure is there instantly doesn't matter what you were signed for in the first place if those sirens are made then the expectations are going to be that you'll challenge for league titles in top four and they haven't done that I don't think Chelsea should have signed the players. If I said I said that, I don't think Chelsea should have signed the players. I think it put unnecessary pressure on Frank, and it just made the club's plans so much different from Frank's plans and what their actions had suggested. It's just a complete mismanagement across the whole level, and results weren't good enough towards the end. But it just the whole situation is so silly and well poorly managed by Chelsea. It's a whole other club. One thing that uh, a lot of fans will not be able to take away from, regardless of their opinion of Lampard as a manager, is his ability to have bled in Chelsea's youth prospects, being the first manager to really, truly utilise uh, the youth academy setup that Chelsea do have, which has been massively successful in 
the youth competitions and things like that going on youth FA Cups, youth Champions Leagues, things like that. I think eight eight uh, youth prospects or youth academy products were given their first team debuts under Lampard and players like Mason Mount and Tam Abraham have seen extended runs in the team while Rhys James is kind of seen as the natural successor to the ageing Cesar Aspilicueta. Struan, is it then a worry that whoever comes in to replace Lampard now might not give these young players the chance that they've really deserved and they've almost come to expect under Lampard's management because I know certainly from a Scotland perspective I'm worried that Billy Gilmore no longer gets a look in in that team despite the fact that he truly deserves to after a really good showing in the FA Cup this weekend once again I I think there were signs of this almost still with Lampard's tenure there I think some of the summer signings were a bit questionable you know Tammy Abraham I think 17 goals in the league last season or maybe just under that he had a very good season as his first year in Chelsea as well. And then to see Timo Werner being signed for £50 million with Giroud already at the club, you sort of think, oh, well, I've had a great season. There goes my first-team place. You know, Callum Hudson-Odoi is really impressed. Even when you know, Bayern Munich wanted him, Chelsea held on to him. And then players like Ziyech and Pulisic have also come in, and it's sort of like, well, there goes his position. And we've seen as well with Fakayo Tomori, who Lampard gave a lot of praise to last season, is now away on loan to AC Milan. So it's sort of like... He has bled to these youngsters, and it is really good because in the past we've not really seen too many youngsters given the chance at Chelsea. But sort of slowly but surely, some of them are fading now. I mean, I think Rhys James and Mason Mount have definitely got long-term futures in the club, but past them, I think a few of the other ones will struggle to sort of maintain that. And with a new boss coming in, I think it will definitely some of the some of the, what we quote favourites would maybe not still be given the same opportunity, or will possibly get less. But the thing I did like about Lampard was one of the players who he did seem to consistently give opportunities for was to Gilmore. So hopefully Thomas Tuchel, who's who's the man being tipped to get at the moment, also sees a lot in Billy Gilmore, which, I mean, we all do as well. No, absolutely. I mean, it's always one of these occasions that if Chelsea were playing in the FA Cup, I wouldn't have watched it this season because of the kind of state that Chelsea wouldn't have had Gilmore not played. Because that that is the one thing I, I look forward to in, in a Chelsea team is seeing Billy Gilmore's name on the team sheet because I I, I know how quality he is and I know a lot of you a lot of people at Energy Sport do as well and they want him to succeed and they're really happy to see him get these opportunities. But Jamie Strune said that they are the man who is more or less nailed on to come in and replace Frank Lampard in the dugout is former PSG and Borussia Dortmund boss Thomas Tuchel. What do you what do you make of the of of this appointment or this? Eminent appointment, I suppose we should say, because he's had a fairly storied history of not really getting on with people. He's not the most personable of managers, and at a club like Chelsea, where clearly relationships are valued between manager and board, manager and players, manager and staff, is that not a bit of a warning sign from the get go? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Look, I mean, I think it was fairly kind of apparent that with the struggles that Werner and, and Havertz were were having, Chelsea wanted to appoint a German manager and that's what they've done. So um yeah, I, I think this is clearly an appointment that they think will seek improvement um out of the the new signings. And yeah, I feel like they've kind of put all their eggs in the one basket to be perfectly honest. But it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Still not being announced as of 20 to 4 uh, on Monday but uh, I'm guessing it's it's fairly imminent as you know plenty of news organisations have, uh, have basically revealed that he's um, 
I don't think he's in London yet. I think he has to. I think he's in quarantine or something. He's he's got to wait forty hours or something until he has to until he flies into London. I think I read that earlier. Mm. So um, it seems like it's just a matter of time before that announcement is made. Though uh, it's conflicting reports because I think David Ornstein said that he was still in uh, Germany, was due to fly out, and then would have to quarantine for tw- uh, for forty eight hours once arrived. Exactly, it was high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then right. Christian Falk as well, who is a fairly notable, he's a bit, essentially Germans a uh, German football's version of Romano has said that it is true that that Tuchel is in London. So, two reputable sources are sending different messages. So, unless, unless there is a definite Tuchel sighting in a certain location, there's no real way of knowing where he is at the current moment in time, which is always fun. Where do no, we see Chelsea? Meme, the, oh, sorry, Stuart, on you go. I was going to say, do you know the meme from the Umbrella Academy where the two cars are passing by each other? It's just Lampard on the way out and Tuchel on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we see Chelsea going from here and actually no I'm sorry forget that question where do we see Lampard going from here do we see him looking for another job at the moment or do we see him potentially moving back into the punditry side of things because he was I, I, I quite enjoyed him as a pundit before he took the step into management with Derby I thought he was he offered something quite good to a I think it was BT sport panel he was on primarily I think him Jared, and Rio Ferdinand were a really good trio on that I don't think you'll rush I don't think you'll rush into another job. Um, I, I don't think know, you'll get another Premier League job anytime soon, to be perfectly honest. It doesn't need to be Premier League, though, does it? I mean, I think, I think Chelsea think, was obviously think, a massive step up for I think him. you'll have to go back to the Championship. I think it, I think it, it will be Premier League, I think, but I think for Frank Lampard, he thinks he wouldn't really need Premier League. I'm not sure Frank Lampard would now go back down to the Championship after managing Chelsea. No, I think, I it, I have, have you guys read the article about um, there was one comparing Jurgen Klopp and Frank Lampard, and it was just sort of like, you know, Harry Redknapp helped him. Oh, about the, about the kind of privilege the article, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, and I think I think it's that. one of them where I think he might struggle to get a, any job in the Premier League, so I think the Championship will have to be where he goes, but I think Graham is right in the sense that he'll maybe think, you know, I've managed Chelsea, I can't suddenly drop down to the Championship, but I don't know where else he can go, to, to be honest, at the moment. Parkhead. <laughs> shot, shot to odds on favourite to land a Celtic <laughs> job. <laughs> Jared no and Lampard as two managers of Celtic and Rangers is generally something you do on like FIFA isn't it? it's, it's a massive like, football manager thing assume. that is massively yeah. football manager could you imagine if Lampard came up to Scotland right now and saved the 10 god <laughs> no I can't imagine that I'm afraid I, no I you can't imagine happen. it because it wouldn't and, happen unless Mason Mount can go on loan to Celtic for the season emergency loan I, I, I can see him taking a break to be honest I, I don't think he'll be Wanting yeah. to rush back into management because this is going to affect. This is going to affect him. Look, this is a man who loves the club clearly and spent thirteen fantastic and trophy laden uh, years of his career at the club. Uh, and the kind of selling point for me is that Roman Abramovich has come out and made that statement on Chelsea's website. He's been quoted, which I don't think he's ever done before for a manager. He's explained his decision as to why Lampard was let go. So that kind of shows the respect that he has for him and the opinion that Abramovich holds of Lampard. So it's, it's it's a bit of a sour situation, to be quite honest, for everyone involved with Chelsea. So <sighs> we've got to the point where it's almost commonplace, but it really shouldn't be. And I, I don't necessarily think the club have handled it the best way, especially because reported that Lampard knew after the Leicester defeat that it was a matter of time. And apparently he was shaking all the hands of the players in the dressing room afterwards, thanking them for their services and things like that. The game at Luton was a bit 
pointless for having him stay and manage that. I don't know. I think that must have just been kind of manage this game while we get Tuchel to London. That kind of that kind of screams that situation for me. But who knows what the real story is? All we know is that Lampard will not be managing Chelsea against Wolverhampton this coming Wednesday. Let's I think talk. the last thing I would. Oh, go on, on. I was going to say. I think the last thing I would say is that Chelsea team is is good enough to be at the top of the league at the moment. I think. I think it's good enough to win trophies, and that's maybe where they've come from, and that's that it should be better where it is. I guess. Do we see them anywhere near the top four come the end of the season? Just final point. Yeah, this this season is kind of crazy. I mean, Arsenal were like relegation uh, candidates like three weeks ago, and now they're ten points off the top or something like that. Uh, Arsenal and Chelsea have really off. had that change in fortunes, haven't they? Yeah, Chelsea are five points off fourth. Okay, there's a few teams like um, Everton and, and Aston Villa who have a, a few games in hand on on Liverpool who are fourth at the moment. But you know, Liverpool, I don't think have won in their last like six, five, six games or something. So uh, you know, this season's pretty mental. But um, I, I don't, I think it's a bit of a write-off to be honest now for Chelsea. To be honest, I don't really know what would be. Cla- I, I'm not sure anything that they could achieve now would be classed as a a particularly good season. So. Uh, I don't really know where they go from here, to be honest. I mean, still in the FA Cup, and a few of the big boys have been knocked out of that this weekend. So, I mean, is that realistically a attainable goal? I suppose. I suppose so. Obviously, we got the final last year. Um, squad depth yeah, is going to be massive. Part, yeah, you're right, soon. Yeah, squad depth is going to be massive. So, interesting times at the West London Club these days. But we're going to move on from Chelsea because I've had enough of talking about them. Uh, we're going to. <laughs> do what we'd originally planned on doing and kick off, the sh- kick off the show or kick on with the show and get to tune the football. It was a fairly busy weekend up here in Scotland. There were Premiership and Championship games to go alongside both Betfred Cup semi-finals playing out at Hamden across Saturday and Sunday. We're going to start with those finals. We'll start with the first one, Struan, I'm afraid to say. Mm. St. Johnson have made it to the uh, Betfred Cup final after blowing Hibernian away at Hamden, scoring three to take them back to Hamden and a few weeks' time. Uh, Jason, massive Hibs fan Jason Kerr opened the scoring before Sean Rennett and Craig Conway assisted each other for the second and third, respectively, in the second half. And, Graham, before we get on to kind of the Jack Ross of it all and the fallout of Hibs, what did, what did you make of this at Johnson performance? It was uh, interesting. I think last week when we discussed that in the entry extra time, how we're going to go. We talked about how St Johnston kind of don't have much to them. There's not much to say about St Johnston, which may be a bit unfair because looking at it reflectively, what they've done for a lot of the season is be a team that have actually controlled a lot of their games and just haven't managed to score many goals. And then you get to Saturday and they were dominated for about 30, 35 minutes and scored. And then they scored two more and they had four shots on target and three goals. It's a complete opposite of the way they've their season's gone for the most part of this season which I'm sure <laughs> Callum Davidson and his squad will be absolutely delighted by I, To be honest I didn't see the game I didn't see either of the uh, semi-finals as I have to, have to be honest uh, Premier, Premier Sports is not a subscription in the, the Donnelly household at the moment uh, so we're just going to have to go I'm just going to have to go by what you guys were saying but I was kind of hearing a fair, fair amount of good about St Johnson on uh, Saturday so fantastic news for them fantastic news for the club and all the power to them Struan Hibs yeah. Yeah. didn't even get the chance to throw it away in a final this year no I actually it's tactical it's tactical you cannot bottle the final if you don't make it to one 
You going for the <laughs> this is, this is, this is Dan strategy? One thirteen and thirteen, so just gets knocked out early doors. Yeah, hundred percent. It'll be the it'll be the big Sam as well. He won't get relegated when he uh, leaves the club to set the day before the relegation is confirmed. But um, no, Hibs Hibs were Hibs were you know, Hibs were good. Hibs were good the first half, but it's it's incredibly worrying the fact that you dominate for forty five minutes and go in one nil down. I think that's and it's, it's just classic. It's the same issues have happened. You know, in the big games under Jack Ross, the results have been so poor. So this was a massive chance to get a cup with the old firm and Aberdeen already being knocked out at this stage. Hibs are better than St. Johnson at the moment. You know, the league form is good, but it's just another poor result. I mean, there was, there was a lot of calls for Jack Ross to be out, which I think we'll get to, but it's just poor defending. Murphy misses two really good chances. I think the, fir- the first one is acceptable. I think you could maybe say that's a good save, but the second one where he tries to chip and puts it over the bar, onto the bar. You know, Irvin had a few flicks, but... It just, it just wasn't there. And then what a set piece, Port just loses his man and they score. A really, really good header in the second half, to, to be perfectly honest. But again, it's another set piece, poorly defended. Celtic-esque this season from Hibs there. And then just 3-0 at that point. It was basically over and done with. And Yeah, I think Hibs were wrong tactically. I don't know if there's a mentality issue with that, given how many times it's happening. But yeah, I thought it was just incredibly poor, poor performance. I mean, yeah, but I mean... Are there- the criticisms of the of the squad of the entire squad fair? Are they justified? Because certainly a certain manager was just kind of seemed to throw throw them all under the bus a bit after the game. I, I, I did make the point that in the first half, you know, you could you you could be annoyed if you were Jack Ross. You know, as I said, Murphy missed two chances. Hanlon had a good kind of a good chance that was saved. That Irvin had a few flicks, and then it's just really poor marking from a corner, and you almost just think, you know. If, if Hibs do score one of the easy chances, it could potentially be a completely different game, and it's almost like you know what Jack Ross can do about that. But at the same time, this this isn't the first time Hibs have bottled. This isn't even the first time Hibs have bottled a semi final this season. You know, we saw it against Hearts as well in the Scottish Cup, and it's just it's just the same issue over and over again, really. Right. Let Let's talk about the elephant in the room then. Let's talk about Mister Jack Ross. Jamie, what are your thoughts? Is he an overrated manager, or is he correctly rated at the moment? Well, when you think about where where he's managing just now, he's managing Hibs. Are are Hibs that um, highly rated a a team that Jack Ross is at at the right level? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you what you think about um, Jack Ross. I think everybody has differing opinions on the current Hibs manager. You saw his interview after the game, he comes across as a guy that's under a lot of pressure, and he is under a lot of pressure. The supporters are not happy, understandably so. As you highlighted, that's the second time they've lost a hand in a, in a big semi-final of the season. And uh, it, was, it was just a bit of a hammering, really, on the uh, in the end. Um, first half, they had the chances, and to be fair to Jack Ross, he can't put the ball in the back of the net for them. Murphy's managed to hit the bar from three yards, which was a, a pretty inf- uh, pretty impressive feat. And... Uh, yeah, that, it's a, just a terrible, terrible afternoon for Hibs. Well, I mean that that kind of what it was a bit odd. Kind of he properly kind of had a go at Kenny McIntyre in the interview after full time. Kind of second manager we saw last week to kind of really have a pop at a journalist, and the first one was Frank Lampard having a go at Liam Toomey from the Athletic. Look so, where he is now. <laughs> look where he is straight. straight. <laughs> Could you imagine the same the same fate befalling Jack Ross or? Well, the, I, first I one, the first one was actually Neil Lennon and Kenny McIntyre as well. Oh, right enough. Yeah, you're right. I, there was three last week, wasn't there? And two involved the same journalist. 
Kenny McIntyre's not really had the best week, has he? <laughs> Don't do anything wrong. He's <laughs> just asking questions. <laughs> Been chewed out by two managers for asking simple questions. Stop Kenny McIntyre abuse. That is the message of this podcast today. I mean, clearly the board backs Jack Ross. You would you would think that is the case. I mean, they've funded his signings, which have all gone down fairly well. They, they've all been very well received uh, across the last two windows. So where, where do we think Hibs go for the rest of the season? Like, how, how do we think they, they bounce back from this? Because even leading up to this game, they've not been on the best run of form. They've been slipping up kind of when they really shouldn't have been, especially if they are sure of kind of making them out for third or potentially there was talk a second after Celtic kind of kept stumbling. Stuart, what's your... What's your oh, is it me? Sorry. End up? I, sorry, sorry. I didn't yeah, the, the, the league form... I must have missed that, sorry. Uh, the league form has been fairly good from Hibs, but again, every time they've had the chance to capitalise, I mean, the Aberdeen game recently as well, and they, 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 they threw that away, but... I, th- I think what is quite clear though is that the board is backing Jack Ross. I mean, we've seen we've seen three signings already this January, so it seems he does have the faith in them. And I guess it's, it's second place. I think will be a bit far fetched. I would I would imagine Celtic do recover their form some somewhat to the, towards the end of the season, but I think third place could be an ask as well because every time it comes to that crunch game that you know Hibs will overtake Aberdeen, that's just it's just not going that well. And Rangers coming up soon as well will be a will be a really tricky test. Either way, at the end of the day, Hibs are not going back to Hamden again. And St. Johnson are. And they are going to be facing Livingston, uh, the other semi-final on the Sunday. Livingston ran it as 1-0 winners against St. Mirren, who apparently were on the floor of the Hamden change rooms in tears after after losing the... <laughs> after losing this Sorry. Sorry. Which, uh, anytime you hear that, it is just a little bit amusing, but at the same time, they, they will have battled hard for a place in the final and they will have been gutted not to have gotten there but it was Scott Robinson's early goal as a difference between two sides and from what I've heard about it lads it was a very very solid performance from the Livingston defence the likes of Guthrie Ambrose, Serrano and Devlin were all fantastic by all accounts what, is that a fair estimation? Yes I'd say so I would say as an overall team performance it was probably Livingston's maybe worst performance since Martin Dale came in but they were lucky. They were lucky that they put against a super inside that just had tactics that I was completely mystified by, and so a tremendous achievement for Liverpool to get to the final. I mean, the the, the Livingston train is just rolling on, and just shows no signs of slowing down. That's eleven games now unbeaten, in all competitions. And the feel good factor with this team is there alongside the results. But there's, there's still a bit of a question mark over Livingston at the moment, purely based on the manager and this week, particularly because I think it's day recording is Monday, so tomorrow on Tuesday, David Martindale is due to find out the results of a fit and proper persons test. He'll be fine. I think I think he'll be fine personally. I think he will he will be fine. He'll be no he'll have no problems whatsoever. But say things do go wrong, what do we think happens? in terms of Livingston in terms of this team does that train then end up getting derailed I don't think so I'm answering this on again I don't think Livy should even get rid of them if they have the fit and proper test go that way I, mean, I don't know if they have to but just they can maybe they can appeal it because it's completely scandalous if that fit and proper test doesn't comes back that David Martindale can't manage that team 
I think everyone saw in the last week. I actually feel like he's got, got a lot of TV coverage outside of the Scottish media. I feel like some of the UK media have seen his story. I believe he was match of the day, posted a tweet, maybe he was on Football Focus. So to to do that, and then tomorrow the SPFL or the SFA, I'm not sure which sport it is, say that he's not fit to be linked to the manager is absolutely scandalous, and Levy, shouldn't, Levy should fight it with all the world, all the worth. And if that is the outcome, I really hope they do. I, I, yeah. I would like to think it's not going to be the outcome, but we know what the SPFL are like with a, with a bit of controversy. They just seem to seem to run with it, <laughs> even at the worst of times. Uh, what 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 do what do you think, Jamie? Like, are, are we happy to see Livingston in a final, especially kind of where they were at the start of the season? A lot of us were kind of pipping them for kind of fifth, sixth in the table, and now they're pushing third in, in a cup final. It's been a fantastic turnaround. Absolutely. I um, look. I think yesterday the the result was what. Every kind of neutral um, wanted to see. I think everybody wanted the David Martin deal to lead Livingston into into the final, and um, that's that's the wish that everybody's been granted. So, yeah, I was I was certainly very happy with yesterday's result, um, and I think they'll go into the final as as favourites. Um, you look at their their recent form, and you know I don't know what the fixtures are like, but you know who apart from Rangers, you know do we do we see Livingston? Losing another game, <laughs> they're just un- they're unbeatable at the moment. The last team they lost to, ironically, was uh, was actually a home game against St Mirren, which is a bit bizarre. And that was on the twenty fourth of November. Um, sorry, twenty first of November. Um, so you know that's just unbelievable, unbelievable run of form. So they'll go into that final as as um, favourites and rightly so. And uh, I hope that uh, we see Marvin Bartley lifting that uh, League <laughs> Cup trophy high into the, the Glasgow sky and uh, I don't know when it is actually when's the final end of February or something I think something like that yeah that 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 is the the, the last question to, that remains Jamie's kind of given a view into his opinion on it but who wins the final out, out of Livingston St Johnson Struan what, what what do we think here Livingston just I totally agree with what Jamie said I think they're so good at the moment and no offence to St Johnson but Hibs were very very bad but, so yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull off a Cheltenham here and, and say we hope they go all the way and they go and win it now. So I will stick with Livingston. Yeah, I think they're just they're just so good. And I think everybody wants Livingston to win as well. To be perfectly honest, Graham, you yourself are a, a local of the Lions. How, how are you? Are you back in your home side? I am. I think they are the better team, the better form side. They are the better players. They have the more interesting story. So I want them to win. I'll pit Levy. I'd pit Levy even if they were one of the favourites, to be honest with you. But they will be for this game. It's four from four from us here at the Football Roundup because I am also picking Livingston to win the final as that enhances my Nicky Devlin for Scotland propaganda. We're going to take a quick look at a couple of other games in Scotland before we move. Our last challenge is going to encompass the English action as well because we spent a lot of time on Lampard. Spent a half an hour talking about Frank Lampard. So we're just going to kind of try and wrap this up fairly quickly after this uh, Rangers won 5-0 uh, just a certain dominance once again Graham could I just gonna come to you for this one to be quite honest uh, and a, a really really good goal from Joe Aribo. I mean how like what what level could Rangers reach if these were like a consistent part of his game because Aribo kind of tends to come and go really uh, <laughs> I don't really know what to say because Rangers are Drawn three games all season, so it's hard to say that more of Aribo was banging form all the time. But it just, I would say that he's probably one of the most talented players in the league. Maybe up there with the, up there with Edward. Just can't put it together. And goals he scored on Saturday is unbelievable. 
It's so good. I don't think it's just it's hard to say how much better he'd be. Because Rangers have been so good, but just he's great. He's great of him. I can I can tell you actually like I can see the smile on your face and I can't see your face like I just know you're smiling like saying this just now. It's nice, nice. I like I like my friends happy. Do you know that? Exactly. It's a nice thing. If I, if I could just butt in, sorry, it's just been confirmed that it's on the 28th of February at 2pm, the Betfred Cup final. The last day of the month, there we go. That's a good way to round off February then. Uh, that was Gerard's 150th game in charge. Uh, apparently the fastest manager to ever do it for a, <laughs> the most obscure start and most pointless start of all time. It is pretty pointless. Still did it though, start to start. Still did it. Actually at the top of one list. Uh, it's fair to say he's done a fairly decent job and I mean you kind of alluded to it Graham but at what point are you getting the flares out and waving flags and banners uh, my legal team have told me that I will not be doing any of that I will be staying indoors and celebrating with uh, with a nice cold pint of iron brew of iron brew <laughs> not even going any further than that well, of course <laughs> I, 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 I have to do as if I'm like not over 18 and I can't drink Game, you're, game, you're 37 I'm, 30, I'm 37 <laughs> a nice thing oh, to celebrate Rangers winning their 55th title if I'm, if I'm correct in saying that that is, that is 55th, the 55th title but let's not talk about that too far even though it's probably done I won't be seeing it until it's mathematically po- mathematically done. I love that as well. I just love that that you're you you're just not quite um not quite sure yet. I'm act I'm acting as if we've won the league. I'm watching videos of Celtic fans singing ten in a row and laughing. Yeah. Which is something again that knows his team are going to win the league soon. But I can't physically say my team are going to win the league. That is a big thing to say. See that one one statement that's going to get clipped. So that's going to get clipped just before it takes out the uh, I cannot physically say we're just going to get the back end of that that's tremendous it's honestly mental because you replace the Rangers fan on this podcast with the other Rangers fan at Energy Sport and it's a completely different outlook Taylor was was calling the league in October (laughs) (laughs) ah but He's probably right, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if I'm talking up Rangers anytime talk up the old firm, it's boring to me. Jamie, let's talk about Hearts. Because you okay. said you wanted to come let's on talk and about talk hearts. about Hearts and Rafe. Well, I said, I said I wanted to talk about Rafe, actually. I said I didn't want to talk about Hearts. Oh, my mistake. Covers. So would, would, you, would you like to speak about Rafe as they ran out to I'd the love to speak about Rafe. Talk to me about Kai Kennedy. I will mention uh, I will mention Hearts first and, first and foremost. Hearts have just signed uh, a striker. Who is eight um, feet tall, I'm led to believe. He's he's six foot four. His Wikipedia <laughs> says that he is a uh, seven foot. I'm not actually sure why it says he's seven foot. Why it says that? <laughs> is Robert Bartlett uh, doing socials on Wikipedia now? It says he's six foot four. Isn't it standing at seven feet tall? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, our, our man Gwen. Grandwee, I believe, is uh, is awful pronunciation. I know, but uh, you made an effort. That, that's more than we could have. Turkish asked for. club Alti Spor Kalubu, uh, Turkish side based in the city of Izmir, apparently. So that's where we've, we've signed him from, formerly of Blackpool, which is where he's kind of had uh, had his biggest success. Um, Actually, uh, uh, Dimitri Mitchell plays for them. Of course, yeah. So he must be yeah. brilliant then. <laughs> 
Uh, Hearts were beaten again at the weekend. Uh, they've now lost to Wraith, Dunfermline and Dundee, who are considered to be their three main uh, rivals for the Championship title this season. Uh, so it's not a great sign. And instead of signing strikers, I would much rather Robbie Nielsen paid more attention on the defence. Um, Hearts have kept, I think, three clean sheets in the in the Championship this season against Arbroath, Alloa and Morton. Three relatively poor teams, um, the bottom two. And then Morton as well. Um, so hardly inspiring at the back. Um, Dunfermline, Rafe, Morton, Air United, Inverness have all Aye, conceded. They've scored three against you. What did that say about Hearts? The, you know, they've all season? they've all conceded less than Hearts and Arbroath, who are actually bottom of the league, have only conceded one more goal than Hearts this season. So um, yeah, it's it's not great at the back. Um, Christoph Berra went off injured at the weekend and won't be playing on on uh, tomorrow night against Rafe. Um, Mihai Popescu came on and gave the ball away for the third goal. And Craig Halkett is, has really struggled since he's come to Tynecastle, to be honest. He was part of a, a Livingston back three alongside Declan Gallagher and Alan Lithgow, which was kind of just um, portrayed as being you know a, a back three of just absolute hammer throwers who were just getting the no-nonsense defenders. And then um, I have to say, it's just really not the case when it comes to Craig Halkett. He's... Uh, he, he was absolutely bullied at the weekend by um, Ugu in the first half and then Duku in the second half. And uh, Kai Kennedy skipped away from him for the the, the, the third, eh, sorry, the second goal, second penalty, which resulted in the second goal. And then uh, Michael Smith was was alleged to have brought down Kai Kennedy. Rafe were excellent. And this is kind of what I wanted to come on today and, and speak about Rafe Rovers. Um, they're now uh, nine points behind Hearts with two games in hand mm-hmm. over the, the, the Jambos and they play each other again tomorrow night so if Rafe were to win that game and then win their two games in hand they are level on points with Hearts and uh, I, I fancy Rafe to, to do the double over Hearts and, well, uh, I was and, gonna ask and win again win again tomorrow night um, they looked really good looked really good going forward that's the third time I've seen Kai Kennedy this season uh, twice before was obviously in an Inverness shirt and every time I've seen him I've been <laughs> really impressed with him <laughs> and Hearts recruitment Hearts recruitment has been an absolute shambles for a number of years now. Obviously, the, the, the amount of duds that Hearts have signed is um, is off the off the well, a number of pages, I'm sure. Jamie, but uh, I don't know how Hearts didn't look at signing somebody like that on loan from Rangers. I'm sure Rangers would happily give us uh, Kai Kennedy on loan for uh, the rest of the why, season. Why didn't you try and go for Kai Kennedy? Do you think it just that Hearts didn't think Hearts didn't even think about it? Probably not. No, it's we always seem to kind of look a bit more outside the box. It seems a really simple kind of signing. I've seen so many players in the championship this season, Graham, that have really impressed me and have, have I would take in the Hearts team, you know, and they're on loan from Premiership clubs or down south or whatever. And I thought, you know, why on earth are Hearts not looking at signing these sort of guys? Because mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just bizarre that the, the recruitment do, is. Do you, do you think there's an element of the fact that he's looking to sign Nielsen? I don't know who's in charge of Nielsen's. How much do you see as on transfers? Uh, that they're going for established kind of players like Mackay like Mackay Stephen and Halliday, the two that come to mind. Yeah, players that experience. And she's done that, which probably not worked out because Halliday's not been very good. As opposed to just, as opposed to going for a player like Kai Kennedy that's a bit more unproven but has bags yeah. of potential. Do you, yeah. do you think that's the problem? Absolutely, definitely, hundred percent. Um, I think Hearts are Hearts are trying to get too many experienced names and ultimately guys that are kind of just about past their prime to be mm-hmm. honest and um, instead of kind of going for these younger guys on, on loan and, you know, as I say Kai Kennedy is just such an exciting player and you know Hearts have managed to get Josh Ginelli on loan but I said from the start that Jordan Roberts and Elliot Freer weren't going to cut it on the other wing and you know if you'd uh, if you'd given me you know Josh Ginelli on one wing and Kai Kennedy on the other then 
that would be absolutely fantastic to watch. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. But uh, big problems for Hearts. They've signed a striker, but personally, I think they need to look at the, the defence because, as you can clearly see by the league table, it is definitely Hearts Achilles heel. Well, I'm very happy to hear uh, that rambling for a we we uh, fairly sustained period because in that time I have been granted press accreditation for the United versus Alawa. So I'm getting oh, to see nice. the honest men this weekend, lads. Get to see, get to see the locals for the first time. It's, it's been a while. It's been a really long time since I've seen the locals. It's uh, was was it Aloha versus Air with a funny clip with a guy. Yep. You need to you need to be the guy that does that this weekend. That's the left back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that. that would go down too well. Or make a Stephen Dobie related comment, something about that. Oh like that. no, I can't be doing that. <laughs> I'm a, you're a journalist, not a <laughs> journalist not a, now. Not a scoundrel. <laughs> going with a head in my hand when Michael Moffat misses his third of the game. Uh, right, we're going to kind of wrap up things with a bit of last ditch challenge mixed in with the English entertainment section. A quick overview of the biggest result in the FA Cup, which is now anyone's game because Arsenal have been knocked out, so that means they don't win it as they always do. Uh, Struan Man United won against Liverpool in a brilliant game for the neutrals to watch. How, how how did you find that one? Very very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Um, it's all going to social first ever win over Liverpool, and I'm not going to suddenly act like you know. I do I do talk quite a lot of, of bad things about the FA Cup, and I'm not suddenly going to act like you know. I'm, I'm so excited about the cup. I think the derby and what it meant is more important than this result. But what a game! What a game it was! Because I think mm-hmm. I think the FA Cup is just I think it's just losing. It. I mean, I, I I use that Man City Cheltenham game as the exact example. You know, it's a, it's almost a huge upset. Cheltenham one 0 up in the 80th minute, and then Man City can just sub on a 60 million pound player, win it three one. And then Cheltenham wish them good luck over Twitter, and you just sort of think, where's the competitive? And you know, this is supposed to be the big cup, but I think this was a fantastic game because there were fears that both sides were probably going to put out weakened teams, and you thought, oh, this this could be a bit dire, especially after the league game was a terrible nil nil. But I thought this was absolutely fantastic, and yeah, pro- proper derby and uh, a very good result for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Man United. Graham, and concerns. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry Graham, concerns about a lack of centre backs. I do have concerns about lack of centre-backs. Rhys Williams was caught out for a second goal yesterday. Has not proven to be a Premiership-level centre-back, which is not his fault. He played kind of the Minster Harriers last year, so it's just I don't understand Liverpool or a wealthy club. They can sign a centre-back. If they can sign a centre-back in the summer, which I'm assuming they probably have to, they can sign a centre-back now, in my opinion. And it's embarrassing that the club haven't done that. FSG need to backlop because this although Klopp's made some mistakes in the last few weeks, you still trust Klopp fully, and it's just it just seems like FSG are too tight-fisted. You think it's a bit odd that they sell Lovren in the summer and there's no immediate replacement? I, I wasn't that fussed about it in the summer, to be honest with you. I know it seems silly, but like Van Dijk could play every game for yeah. two and a half years. You don't expect Van Dijk to go out, be injured for a season, and then your other centre-back to be injured for a season. I think at the start of the season, you're thinking about Van Dijk, Gomez, Fabinho, and... Uh, Matip is your four centre backs because Matip would be the fourth. Fabinho sorry, would be the fourth that could be injury prone. That would be that sounded fine to me. So I'm not, I'm not going to go back and go revision this and say that they definitely should assign one. But we have two long term injuries. You don't know how they're going. To, those two players are going to come back. So now they need to sign a centre back. The situation's changed. We'll talk about transfers actually because you just kind of referenced it there that they are 
Liverpool are potentially going to be looking at centre-backs or that might you're wanting Liverpool to look at centre-backs anyway, FSG might not think the same. One centre-back that has left the club, kind of, I don't like coming back to Chelsea, but Fikara Tamori going to Milan on loan with an option to buy for £25 million is a fairly big deal for those involved with Chelsea. Personally, Jamie, I don't know what you think about this, I think that's the biggest mistake the club have made this season. I would much rather keep Tamori and involve him more in the first-team action and sell Christensen for about £15-20 million because I believe Christensen is useless and I would much rather see someone like Tamori thrive in our team. I, I don't know if that, that might be your thoughts. I'm not sure. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, obviously he's a young lad and uh, I think we've kind of shown uh, he's shown a bit of promise uh, when he's played. He certainly seemed to get a wee bit of a run in the team and then kind of just, just disappeared, eh? and, uh, which is a bit bizarre. But yeah, definitely with you on that. Fantastic news. Graham, bit of signing news for your other club, Rangers. Uh, Scott Wright joining the club in the summer uh, after agreeing mm-hmm. a pre-contract deal. How, how do you feel about that one? I'm okay with it. Happy. Think he's a pl- think people will compare him to Greg Stewart and Jordan Jones transfers. I think that's a bit unfair to Scott Wright. I think he suits Rangers' style of play more and that he can play along the front three in a narrow in a narrow kind of like he can be narrowly like wide he can play through the middle. I think, that, I think that's promising. And I've seen some worries about it. He's quite injury prone and he's He's a very poor finisher, but he's still young, and it's a pretty risk-free signing. So I'm excited about about putting him play. I wonder if they still might try and get him in before the end of the January transfer window. But yeah, I'm pleased with it. Uh, Struan Martin Odegaard has been here. We go confirmed tapping merchant. Total uh, confirmation. <laughs> official move. Uh, he, he's he's basically coming to Arsenal on loan from Real Madrid, rejecting Real Betis. I think it was. Associated. Associated, my mistake. Uh, to join up with Mikel Arteta and the boys. Uh, bit of an odd one, or a, a sensible signing after all, because they're dire, they've been direly lacking a creative midfielder this season, and that has been well documented by us. Do you know, I'd, Odegaard is one of these players who I've never actually seen play. I've, he's one of these like highlight players that you see quite a lot. And, you know, he's, he's been around for quite a while. I think it was Pep Guardiola had talked about him in the past or something like that when he sort of broke through quite young. So I'm not going to act like I know, I know everything about him, but he's, he's, he's got to be better than what Arsenal have. I know Smith Rowe's done quite a good job recently, but we kind of saw in the Southampton game that when he steps out, players like Willian and Pepe are absolutely terrible and are just not going to come anywhere near to fill in the shoes and that so I, th- I, th- I think a loan's a loan's a good option as well you don't need to overpay for a player who might not be able to cut it you can sort of bring him in and see how it goes the only issue I would have is that Real Madrid don't want him and if Real Madrid don't want a player you do sort of have to ask you know is he that good we sort of saw with Ceballos that there's a reason Real Madrid don't want him he's just not a very good player to be honest so <laughs> I think if they're willing to let this young prospect go there's maybe Maybe not the best. It probably will work out though for Arsenal. It's going to be better than nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Nothing. Well, I mean, it's not like they'd had nothing. Mesut no, Ozil they, they were rotting in a... playing with nine men with William and Pepe in the wings. <laughs> Mesut Ozil's been rotting in a cell up until Fenerbahce decided to unlock it with the key that they had. Then we want a really random question with that. Do you remember when the, um, Arsenal sacked the Gunasaurus and then Ozil put out that tweet saying, <laughs> "Oh no, <laughs> that I'll pay his wages." I don't actually know if Ozil has ended up paying his wages, but if he has, what what happens with that? What happens to Gunnarsson? Is Gunnarsson is back? Are they taking Gunnarsson at the back for those who shot him? Is Gunnarsson has gone extinct? I think he's. I think what the others will add into the twenty-three-man squad because they're going to do two centre backs. 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 to be fair, if you saw if you saw a T Rex in the center of it, you'd be pretty frightened, wouldn't you? You would. You, you'd be baffled. And the risk of having balls is like less there because it's right in at their body already. My tiny wee arms and that. So, <laughs> listen. I would love to see a centre back pairing of Fabinho and uh, Garasoris one day. I think that'd be tremendous. Sorry, Strunner, if you ask silly questions, you get a silly answer. <laughs> no, this is what I want. Good, I'm glad. And a, a silly answer is the way we're going to end this week's episode of the Football Run. Unless there are any, any final points anyone wants to raise about anything. Shout out to my big shout out and then the extra time. Seeing German football is the best. Friday at a 4 2, Saturday afternoon at a 4 2. I'm the fucking man. And a 4-0 Bayern Munich. Yeah, Ah, but that's that's standard practice. Well done, Graham. Yeah. Mainz, Mainz beat Leipzig 3-2. Did they? Aye. Ooh. Frankfurt on 5-1 away to the Armenian Bielefield. Goals, goals, goals. Games, games, games. Fun, fun, fun. Me, me, me. Erling Haaland <laughs> is absolutely fantastic. That's all I'll say, mate. But Dortmund are shite. Dortmund are bad, but Haaland... Hallands ends up at City once Aguero leaves. I'm I'm back in that. I would I would put I would put money. I'm not a betting man, but I would say. I I back that say. horse, and <laughs> I don't need John McCrary on my tail to tell me that's I'm a, what I do. I'm a betting man. I'd probably put it in some other team because I'm an idiot that never wins bets. Makes sense. J- Jamie, any final comments for this week? Um, keep an eye out for the the Rave Hearts game tomorrow night. I I expect another good game, and uh, the result could have a, a massive bearing on the championship title race. You, you'll be in attendance, of course. I will be in attendance, yeah. Well, we hope you. Enjoy, well, do we hope you enjoy it? <laughs> no, because it's, it makes it more interesting if Wraith win. You want to see a title race, uh, yeah, definitely. Hearts will win the league by like three points or something. Final Absolutely. day. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Josh Janelli, Naismith, <laughs> in the final day. I'm not Seems. sure I could take that, to be honest. What you would what <laughs> would you be if that was at Tynecastle and you were there? Uh, what what would boom. you do? Would you have to contain yourself, or would you <laughs> big boom from the journalist? I'm not I'm not even sure I would be able to to like celebrate if Hearts won the league by like uh, just a couple of points or like if it went to final day like that's so bad. Who was it at the start sure of the season that. that went if Hearts don't go unbeaten, it's a bad season? Oh, I would think that was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I think I, I think I was about like five minutes away from saying it, and then Dunfermline scored. <laughs> <laughs> so take that from take from that what you will. Take from that what you will, indeed. That is going to bring this episode of the Football Roundup to a close. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content. Thank you very much to Struan, Jamie and Graham for joining me today. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow, I think, with a quick episode of the Fancy Ramble with midweek Premier League fixtures and with extra time as usual on Thursday. Until we see you next time, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup by Energy Sport. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.